All right, welcome in. We are back. Matt Verderam is back on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen here on Thursdays, as usual. Sorry, missed last week. Had some family stuff to deal with. But really excited to welcome Sports Illustrated. Matt Verderam back to the show. Matt, how you doing, man? How's your summer been? Good. Glad to be back. Uh, it's been good. I was on vacation for a while, uh, which was nice. Got to go back east and see everybody and uh, hang out and, and kind of get recharged because now... Now it's back. Now football season is back in a big way. So uh, there's there's uh, there's no vacation now until like May. Yeah, those those of us who who work in sports, in particular, covering the NFL, your your time is passed. Some people sneak in something around training camp, but things uh, things really pick up. And as I understand it, you're going to be hitting up a few training camps in this area. Yeah, I will be. So I will be. Let's see. It's going to be eight. I'm going to start on my 35th birthday. Just fitting. I think I'm going to see Carm on my 35th birthday, which is which is interesting. It's an interesting way to celebrate a birthday. Yeah, uh, I will be in Chicago August 4th, and then it's going to be Indy the next day, Cincy the day after that, then Cleveland August 7th, the Lions and the Giants in Detroit joint practice on the 8th. And then I'm going to go back home and sleep for four days straight. Go to Minnesota. And then I'll be in KC for a couple of days, one practice, two days. I've just got an extra day there. And then I'll be in Green Bay to wrap it all up. So eight uh, eight tour dates. Looking forward to it. I've got a bunch of uh, exclusive stuff scheduled. It'll be fun. When when did the the, the divorce papers go through? Oh God, they, they're already being filed. Um, yeah, it's uh, it. Thank God that we have daycare that is uh, kicking back in August first. My my sister in law watches our one year old, and she has been on paternity leave uh, for the last whatever it's been two months, three months. So August first, Genevieve goes back to daycare. And Maisie's in like a summer camp that she's all about. So at least Steph is only on the hook with the kids for like a couple hours at night. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's uh, not looking forward to me being gone for a week straight. Maybe she is. Maybe she's like, this is great. Get out. You know, <laughs> I mean, that that's completely possible. Though. I'm seeing it as a win-lose for her. Win-lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Mostly a win. win. Yeah. Um, all right. So I wanted to ask you, because uh, we haven't talked, it's been a minute. And, and the last show that you were on, I was not on. So the uh, the Eagles, they just can't stop talking about the Super Bowl. I saw that you tweeted about this, and I, I just was curious to get your thoughts on it. Like, does it matter? I've, I've, I've certainly pondered on the podcast, and some of these guys aren't on the team anymore, but like, yeah. it obviously, look, it stings to lose a Super Bowl. Those are wounds that run kind of deep. But talking about it in August, like, is that kind of like a bad sign for the Eagles, who are insanely talented, to still be hung up on that, setting themselves up for a Super Bowl hangover. On one hand, like I get it, and, and in the case of Goddard, he was kind of prodded into it a little bit. It's like I, a little bit. Like I understand that. There's also like CJ, like Gardner Johnson, though. You're not even on the Eagles anymore. Yeah. You're on the Lions. Like, shouldn't you be focused on the Chiefs? By the way, you play Week One. I don't know that it's a bad sign, although it does say like it's time to at some juncture move on. And say, all right, you know what? It's it's probably time to turn the page. I'm sure it was really hard to lose that game. And to be fair to the Eagles, that field sucked. Like I get if you're a defensive line, you're Brandon Graham. I get being really frustrated. On the flip side, though, which of course everybody always says, well, they both played on the field, mm-hmm. and I would argue that the Eagles in the second half of that game, which is when they lost that game, it wasn't about the field. They they were 30 yards away from receivers on plays that started inside the 10 yard line. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, and that wasn't because some guy fell over. It right. wasn't because, you know, a corner slipped. They got totally outcoached in the second half of the game. They got totally outscamed. So, yeah, I mean, it's at some point, like, give it up. I mean, you gave up 38 points. If McKinnon doesn't slide down, you're going to give up 42. That's not all because you just couldn't turn a corner. And by the way, it wasn't like there were a ton of plays in that game where you're like, man, if he didn't slip down there, that's a sack. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Both teams were slipping and sliding. The field sucked. It is what it is. You lost. And the better team won that game. They outplayed him thoroughly in the last 30 minutes. Yeah, the Eagles played really well on defense in the first half of the game. They really were, were causing the Chiefs some problems. So, I, you know, I, it, I'm with you, man. You didn't you didn't do it in the second half. You just didn't get the job done. You were right there. It was a close game. You had a hell of a team. Well, I would let it go. Like, I, I also think, and I, and I tweeted this out, which I think we were referring to. I really think when the Chiefs play them this season, if the Chiefs have the opportunity to run up to score, they're going to do it. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if they can do it. The Eagles are a great team. But if it just happens to be one of those nights, you know, where things are going well for them and they're up, you know, 34 to 20 or something with two minutes left in the ball, they will try to score. 
Like yeah. I, I think there will be a mentality of like, you know what? Now we're on natural grass and it's not a problem and we're going to try to score a million points in this game. Like I, that's, I think, the biggest effect of this all this talk now. I know it doesn't affect the Super Bowl. That game's over. I think it's going to affect when they play, what is it, week 10 or something, week 11 when they play a Monday night in Arrowhead? Yeah. That's what I think is going to be affected because yeah. the Chiefs are going to come out. Like I would have thought going into that game that the Eagles would be the ones with the big chip on their shoulders and they lost that game. They want revenge, all this stuff. Now that the Chiefs are going to want to beat the brakes off them just as bad as the other way right. I think the Chiefs are going to have an edge going to that game. Like, okay, you don't think we we're better than you? Goddard thinks you'd beat us 10 times out of 10? Okay, well, now we're going to try to hang 50 yeah. and see if we can't do that. So I don't think they're doing themselves any favors. Let's put it that way. Teams just keep poking the bear, man. Not not smart. These uh, these Chiefs have won a lot of a lot of football games the last couple of years. I mean, I'll say this: <laughs> at least, at least the Eagles are a really good team, and it's not like Tim Patrick going on whatever it was like a podcast or a radio show and like talking crap about them. You're like, you, you've never beaten the Chiefs in the game, <laughs> right. like literally one time. You've never beaten them. Yeah. I, I I am surprised at how many guys and, and look, this happened when Brady was on the Pats and you know, so on and so forth. Like, how many guys do that kind of stuff? And I think part of it is just to kind of get themselves up, you know, and, and get themselves up for a game, whatever. But it's like, why? Why would you? Yeah, it's one thing if you're on the best team and you want to do it, okay? If you're Michael Irvin in the 90s on the Cowboys, you're sure, go ahead. Say whatever you want. But like, you know, it, it's like if you were on, I don't know, you know, a six seed that barely got in the playoffs and you were just talking an obscene amount of crap to Brady for a playoff. Like, it's not, it's not a good idea. Go in there and yeah. pray to God you can, you know, compete, maybe get an upset. It's weird. It's weird stuff sometimes for some of these guys. It's an unforced error for sure. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Second thing I wanted to ask you off the top really quickly. So word is, and I've seen some video of this, a bee attacked Patrick Mahomes yes. at training camp today. How should, it, how should the bee be dealt with? Death. Yeah, just straight yeah. to the chair. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I didn't give it the chair twice just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, can't risk it. No, I saw the video, which was hilarious. I think Aaron Ladd uh, had it. I believe with Fox and Casey, he's a good dude. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very funny. Luckily, from what I can tell, uh, everything everything worked out okay. But can you imagine that story? Like, I have no idea if Mahomes is allergic to bees or something. But imagine if he was, you got stung, and you're getting that story out of camp. Like Mahomes would yeah. be taken to the hospital, be, you know, because he's, he's allergic to a, to a wasp. Yeah. Yeah, luckily, uh, luckily, the cooler heads prevailed with the bee, and things are okay. Yeah. But if the Chiefs have to build a mesh dome around the uh, practice field, that's fine. It's It would be funny to sort of test out how many grown men would, like, throw themselves in front of a bullet for Patrick Mahomes. You know, like, set up some sort of – some sort of scheme where like their grandma and Patrick Mahomes are both in peril at the same time and just see if they at least hesitate. Grandma's had a long life. Yeah, she's, she, that's right. She's lived, right. On, she's she's lived a long and happy life. I, I really do wonder, like, I, the ultimate test, I think, in today's America would be if Mahomes decided simultaneously to just run for, what, I don't know, governor of Missouri, let's just say. Does it even matter, like, what party he belongs to and what platform? Like, would he just win in a landslide? Yeah. You know, like, I don't, yeah. I think that would be the one scenario where people think, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's, I'm, I am pro Mahomes, right? Like, it doesn't matter where he stands on X, Y, and Z issues. Right. I feel like it, it would just completely transcend 
just like sports does, like nobody cares at our head. You're, if you're turning around high-fiving somebody after a touchdown, you're not like, wait a minute, where do you stand on this amendment? Like, you're, <laughs> you know, I think that Mahomes would, it would just be like, it doesn't matter. I'm not voting against this guy. He's given me so much happiness in my life. He wins. Yeah. You know, and whatever his policy is, that's secondary. He could get up there in a debate in Missouri and they could be like, what do you think about the the Supreme Court? And he could just be, his answer could just be like, you know, I'm just really focused on winning rings. And people would be like, yeah, I'm voting. <laughs> I really, I genuinely think he'd have like a shot to win just based on the fact that he's him. Oh, oh no doubt. I'd I'd move to Missouri uh, six months in advance or however, however long I needed to <laughs> to live there just so I could vote for him. Sure. Um, hey everybody, um, just letting you know we got a special d- uh, deal right now uh, with FanDuel Sportsbook. It's a new offer. You can take full advantage of it. If you're a new customer, you get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars. All you got to do is click our link in the description below uh, on YouTube if you're watching live uh, or wherever you get your podcast. If you sign up for FanDuel with our link, you'll not only get that first bet insured, you'll also be doing us a solid because you'll be sporting the podcast. So if you're interested in trying out FanDuel, click the link, sign up with us. This offer is available uh, to new customers only, 21 and older. You got to be physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check out the link for the full terms. And if you don't have a FanDuel account, you can go to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets and find more betting offers with our partners to help support the podcast. All right, Verderam, training camp is underway. Got a few questions for you on that front. The first one I wanted to just kind of more general is like, which Chiefs, in your view, have the most to prove at training camp? Now, this is a veteran team. You got guys here. You 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 can pretty much pencil out the roster with the exception of a few spots. But, you know, there's guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who, who I'm going to ask about later. Like, who has the most to prove here? So I'm going to put Clyde to the to back burner here because I just think that's kind of settled at this point, not the ruin of the question coming up, but I just think it is what it is. Like I, I think Pacheco at this point is clear. By the way, Pacheco in his press conference today, if Bolton goes down with a hamstring injury, I think they just slide Pacheco in there. It might be all right. He's yoked. My guy. So I, literally when I saw the picture for a split second, I thought it was a linebacker. I was like, oh, it's Willie Gay. And then I saw the, I, I thought I saw the zero. I thought it was five zero. I'm like, oh, that's why I didn't know he was in camp. And then I, I was like, oh my God, it's Pacheco. But in any event, Who's got the most? So I'm going to go a little off the board here. I think Joshua Williams has a lot to prove in the sense that last year he was clearly the fourth corner on the depth chart. Like Watson played more than him despite being a seventh round pick. Williams was a fourth round pick. But Williams played well. Like this isn't like Williams has to prove he can play. But I think there's more. Like Watson, I don't know that he has the ceiling Williams does because Williams is so athletic. Can Williams translate that into becoming the third corner? Now, if you're the Chiefs, listen, the more competition, the better, right? I mean, you'd love to see him get better. And then, okay, you know, now he's got a, a real decision uh, that he's forced on, on Spagnolo. So I think he's one guy like he's good now. Can he become really good? Can he become a guy where you're like, all right, that guy is going to be a starter? And, and and maybe that affects our decision on Jerry Sneed at some point. Um, another guy on the offensive side, I think it's obvious, Sky Moore. Sky Moore is a guy like when he had opportunities, he played well on offense. Now, on special teams, he was a mess until the biggest moment of his life, in which case he, he had a great return against the Bengals. But on offense, he, he had that one game with the Chargers where he was really forced into duty. He played really well in that game. He was a really contributing factor. Uh, and then to stay there, I'll, the last guy I'll throw out there, Kadarius Tony. I don't know that there's anybody under more pressure on the Chiefs than Kadarius Tony. I mean, everybody expects everything out of Mahomes and Kelsey, but like those guys, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be what they are. I think Tony is the biggest wild card in the team. You could make a real case based off history. He's going to go for 400 yards. I mean, that historically, he has been injured. He has not been a guy who has had huge outputs. But when you look at his talent, you could also make the argument, like, look, that guy could have 1,200 yards this year and nobody would even blink. So right. I think he is the biggest variable on the team. I think those three guys are guys that all young guys, a couple of second-year players, Tony's in his third year that I'm, I'm really watching. Are you at all worried about this Isaiah Pacheco? He's coming back from a couple of surgeries, got the got the yellow jersey on, no one's allowed to touch him. Are you worried about this at all impacting his season? No, not really. I mean, I look, I, I think Pacheco's probably not going to be a guy who plays 10 years in the NFL because he is just so incredibly physical. I mean, for those of you who know who Earl Campbell is, like Earl Campbell was basically the size of Aaron Donald but could run like the wind in the 70s for the Oilers in the early 80s. Earl Campbell played like Pacheco, where he just he just runs into everything and tries to run it over. He has no fear. But Earl Campbell was enormous, and he lasted like eight years. He was basically done after like four or five. Pacheco, I don't know that he's a guy who's like going to be somebody who plays for 12 years in the league because of that. I do worry about him getting hurt, but 
I'm not worried about this affecting him for week one. I mean, I, I think those surgeries happened a while ago. He should be in pretty good shape. I think it's really good that he's already out there. Some people thought he'd be on the pup list. So I think just seeing him on the field gives you a pretty good indication that the Chiefs think he'll be okay. And he even said today that he expects to be full go for September 7th. Yeah, that's good news. Um, okay, so every year there's somebody at camp. We, you know, we'll talk about Justin Ross later. We already know that the, he's the he's the standing camp crush. But yeah. a new name that I've seen pop up a lot over the last few weeks is a lot of people in the kingdom are really high on Daenerys Prince. Yep. Bigger, bigger running back. Some people think maybe he can slide into that fullback role a little bit. Is this somebody that you've got your eye on? Do you have any idea where this where this uh, this fandom is coming from? Yeah, I mean, look, he's a big, fast guy, and um, you know, he's somebody who, when you watch the tape of him, you know, when he was in college, he can he can he can make a move. He, he's got some good balance. I mean, I really I like his talent. The question is going to be where are those snaps coming from. Now, you could make the argument. The Chiefs know as long as they're healthy, like they're making the playoffs. I, I don't even know. I mean, would you agree? Like if they're healthy, they're winning this division. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair, easy. Right? I mean, I, the Raiders stink. The Broncos are, I don't know, maybe they're going to win seven games. And the Chargers are okay. The Chargers are fine, but they're not as good as the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs are healthy. They're wrapping this division up with two or three weeks to go. So in that world, do you just say, hey, look, maybe instead of giving Pacheco, whatever, 15 to 20 carries a game, maybe you're giving him 12 to 15. Maybe McKinnon. You're really limiting his carries, and you're just throwing him the ball here and there. You're having him block. I mean, I have no problem personally if the Chiefs put McKinnon in bubble wrap essentially until about December. I don't care. Now, I, I don't mean not play him. I just mean I don't need to see him carry the ball 10 times. You know, put him in on right. third down. So maybe there is an opportunity for a guy like Prince who can come in and take some of those carries or take three carries from Pacheco, take five carries from McKinnon or, you know, so on and so forth. But I don't. I don't think Prince is going to get a ton of time, even if he looks really good. They're just too good at the position. It's just going to be hard yeah. for him to get on the field unless there's injury. Yeah, I agree with you there. And they don't run the ball that much anyway. So if they do, right. it's it's probably going to other guys. Um, well, that leaves us into one more running back question, which is Ceh. Now we talked a while back, and we wondered at the time, you know, would he even be on the roster? Would the Chiefs trade him? And some people think that that would be a possibility, but the way things have sort of played out in the running back market over the last few weeks, where you got guys like Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Cream Hunt are still available. It's it's hard for me to imagine that there would be much of a trade market for for Ceh, although he right. is younger than those guys. What's, what what are your thoughts? Is he just he he's penciled in as the as the early down backup here? Yeah, I mean, right now he is. I think there's a real world where he's not on this team. I, I just he's not taking over Pacheco. He's not taking over McKinnon. And if you're the Chiefs, like, if they like Prince, I'm just keeping Prince. I mean, I, I, I'm i not even thinking about it. Now, if they trade him, they save a couple million bucks. If they have to cut him, they save, like, I don't know, like 700 grand or 800 grand or something like that. But I think if you're Kansas City, if you're Brett Veach, like, what is the good in holding on to him? If, if, if And I don't know this for a fact. If he doesn't want to be there, and I would think he wouldn't want to be there if he's not playing. Look, it is what it is. I mean, the Chiefs have drafted really, really well these last three, four years. It's just they missed with him. I mean, they just they did. And I, and the shame of it with Edwards Larris, he has talent. I don't think he's a guy that you look at and go, he can't play in the NFL. It's just he's been hurt. And his vision is is just the thing that hurts him at times. He's to be fair to him, I thought when they drafted him, they were going to use him much more as a as a pass catching back who could really and they never really did that. I mean, that, for whatever the reason, you know, they kind of went away from that. And, and maybe part of that was look, for most of the time he's been they had Tyree Kill and they've had Kelsey, and they just why the hell are you throwing a you know Clyde Edwards Alaire and you have those guys? But yeah, I, I think you're right. It's probably gonna be hard. I would expect them in pre, in the preseason to really showcase him, try to really make him look good, uh, you know, second, third quarter games. And maybe you can get a you know, a seventh round pick, something like that. But I anybody who's hoping for more than that, I think you're you're thinking a lot of wishful thoughts. I just don't see I mean, look at look at these guys who can't get a contract. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs are two of the best players in football. They can't get signed. I mean, they're they're, they're taking franchise tags. I, I think it's gonna be hard to move CH for anything more than a real late pick. And, and if you get that, you should be thrilled. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I don't mind. I'd like him to be on the team next year. These guys take a lot of punishment. Somebody to spell Isaiah Pacheco 
injury insurance, knows the offense, has has been able to be productive in this offense at times. Early last year, helped him out in the red zone, did a nice job. So uh, I, I don't mind him being on the roster for one more year and then you know wish him the best of luck. By the way, are you going to be at camp this year? I don't know about camp, but we may be coming um, – we may be coming to town in September. Uh, we're, 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 we're tinkering around with another live event idea, but I don't know I'm going to make it to camp if okay. that's going to be the case. Okay. Yeah, I will be there for two days. And I think I'm not 100% sure yet. I, I might be covering the opener. So I'm not sure. I'm, I might be in KC. It's kind of depends. I mean, we're literally like in the beginning stage just talking about all this. We're still a couple months away. But sure, I'm very curious to see with the Chiefs this year how they attack this in terms of like, and not to go off the board, but it's a weird thing to say that it's a lot of legacy on the line for them this year, but I really think it is. More so for the main guy. I mean, for Mahomes and Andy and Kel. I mean, look, with all due respect to even really good players on the team like Sneed, Sneed will be remembered by Chiefs fans for how many rings he won, stuff like that. But like his historic perspective is not going to be based on whether or not they repeat, right? I mean, nobody ever nobody looks at uh, you know, Asante Samuel's like, hey, you know, how many rings did he have? It matters a quarterback. It matters a head coach. And when you're talking about a guy like Kelsey, who's literally in the conversation for the greatest player ever at his position, it matters for a guy like that, even Chris Jones. They came within a game of repeating in 2020, and they, they of course, failed to do so. I really do wonder with them this year, how, especially, like I said, those main guys, how much emphasis they're putting on that from jump. Like, we saw them at times – even in the last couple of years, you know, they've had a lot of games where they'll they'll kind of just play around with the team and then they'll they'll finally put them away in the last 10 minutes. I wonder if you're going to see them take a little bit of a different tack this year where it's going to be like, look, we got to bury these teams. I, I don't and that's that's of course easier said than done. The air team's got to comply too. But I do wonder with them if there's a little bit of urgency, like if we repeat, there's no question if they're a dynasty. Four out of five years, you're in the Super Bowl. Obviously, if you're a Pete, you were in six straight AFC title games. You probably won your eighth straight AFC West. I mean, you're talking, if they win the Super Bowl this year, you can make a really, really, really compelling case that in the Super Bowl era, they're the greatest team of all time. Like, because I look at the Pats as two separate teams, like that first team of Brady and then the second team. Now, people could say, well, other teams have won three and four. Okay, but none of those teams went to four and five, and the Chiefs won three of them in that scenario. And none of yeah. those teams went eight straight division title. Like, I, I mean, you could really – now, the Pats won, I think, like 11 straight at one point, but they never went to four out of five Super Bowls, although the second one might have. The second one, they went to three straight. Trying to do the math in my head quick. Regardless, you could make a really – they might have. They might have gone to four and five. You could make a really good case that if they win the Super Bowl this year, they had more staying power than the 90s Cowboys, than the 80s 49ers, than the – the 70 Steelers are probably the one you'd look at and say, well, they went they went to four out of six and they won them all. So like I still would probably give Pittsburgh the nod. But man, I, you can make a real case for the Chiefs if they yeah. win another one this year. Hey, we got a, a super chat from our guy Bumpa. Appreciate you, man. Question for you, Matt. Thoughts on Chris Jones' extension? Why isn't it done? Uh, why has Veach struggled to come to deals with so many players? So my understanding on the Chris Jones thing is kind of very basic understanding, which is they value him value him immensely, if I could say that. Look, this has been an offseason where you've had a lot of D-tackles sign. Uh, Javon Hargrave was one of the big free agents. He signed for $20 million with the Niners. Deron Payne, $22.5 million. Then Dexter Lawrence signed. Then Jeffrey Simmons signed. Simmons, if I'm remembering correctly, got $23 million a year. Uh, and then, of course, Quinn Williams just got 24. I know for a fact that going into free agency, the thought was around this contract from at least one source that, listen, $25 million a year is light. Well, is it now? I mean, I think it probably is. I, I know that would technically make him the second highest paid defensive tackle, but it would barely do so. And I think you're going to have to get closer to Donald's number, which is a touch over 30. I don't think the Chiefs have to go to 30 million, but I think 27, 28 million a year is probably in the neighborhood, which you can get to a lot of different ways. And I would also say, look, if you give Jones four and 110, that's 27 and a half a year. That can be structured a lot of ways. The third year of that, you're ne- or the fourth year of that, excuse me, you're never seeing. It's a team option. The bigger number is the guaranteed money. I expect that Jones is going to get somewhere eventually between 70 and 75 million guaranteed if they do this extension. It's, it behooves both sides to do it. If you're the Chiefs, you really can't tag him next year. The tag will be over 30 million. You're not, you're not going to do that. That's insane. If if you're Jones, 
you're incredibly valuable right now. And look, I, I think he'll be incredibly valuable after next year too, but you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, what if God forbid he gets hurt? What if he has a year where for whatever reason, the counting stats aren't there, he has six and a half sacks. Maybe he plays great, but he just doesn't get the sacks. Maybe Carl Loftus gets some of those sacks that he would have gotten. You know, he, he crushes the pocket, but he doesn't get the guy down. If I'm Jones at, at this age, as you're approaching that age 30 barrier here, I, I think you want to get that deal done now. You don't want to risk that. I think there's a lot of reasons. And as far as Veach and, you know, why has he struggled to get some of these deals done? I don't know that I'd say he struggled to get them done. I mean, like, if you go case by case, so Traverius Ward left and played very well for the Niners last year. I know, uh, you know, the, talking to people around the, the situation with that, that the Chiefs really tried to keep him, but they had a number they were not willing to go over. And the Niners went to that number. With Ty- Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill was a really weird case because Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs were damn near done on that on that extension. That thing was about as close to a done deal as you could ever get without it happening. And then Christian Kirk happened, and more importantly, Devontae Adams happened. And that thing just skyrocketed into, now it's $30 million a year. The Chiefs were never giving him $30 million a year. So that, they knew that if they did that, their defense was going to be basically just a wing and a prayer with draft picks and plan B, plan C, free agent type players. And I, I think the Chiefs looked at it as, we have Mahomes, we can still score a ton of points, and with all that cap space and all the draft capital we're going to get, be able to fix the defense, be able to keep the team competitive around Mahomes, which it's hard to argue they went out and did it. Yeah. I think the same thing's coming with Legarius Need. Not that he's necessarily going to leave, but like they're going to have a number, and they're not going to go over it. And I, I don't think that it's necessarily the wrong approach. New England did that for 20 years, and they lose guys, and you're like, how could they lose Richard Seymour? How could they lose Chandler Jones? How could they lose Lawyer Malloy? How, did it ever matter? They had Tom Brady and they had Bill Belichick and they had like three or four guys they weren't going to lose. The Gronks of the world, the Edelmans of the world, and they just kept winning. And I would I would yeah. suggest as long as the Chiefs have Mahomes and a really good offensive line, if they have anything else around that guy, they're going to be there. They're going to be in the fight. And I, I think that's the way they look at it. I'm, I'm really big on the give Chris Jones what he wants, obviously not recklessly, but yeah. he's so important to this team. He's the quarterback of your defense. He's so disruptive. And I think he's been pretty durable over the course of his career. Yeah. He was terrific last year. I think you can expect to get minimum two more elite years from him, bearing any kind of, you know, disaster type situations. And then, and then two very good years. And you may get three elite years from him. So I think it's worth it. And I'm sure that they'll get there. This is one of those ones where maybe you know it goes into camp a little bit, but I think I think Veach gets this one done. And and I agree with you. He's he's just he's very smart. And you just always hope, and I don't think that's the case, and he's certainly earned the benefit of the doubt. I just always worry about and this this can happen not just with Brett Veach, with me, you, anybody, anybody who has success, is you gotta be careful that you don't you don't fall prey to hubris and you just like, because I, you know, I just did that. I can, I, I'll always, because I've succeeded, I'll always continue to succeed. Sometimes you do need to, to, to pay guys. I would say Chris Jones is one of those. I would agree. I mean, look, you're talking about a guy who's a four time all pro once on the first team, three times in the second team, a four time pro ball, four years in a row. He has 65 sacks. And if you take out his rookie year, he's had 63 sacks in his last six years as a defensive tackle. I mean, that's unheard of as far as his durability. First three years played every game. 2019, he missed three games. 2020, he missed two, although he really missed one because they just sat him out the last game of the year because they they had clinched everything. 2021, he missed three games. Last year, he played every game. I mean, the guy in his entire career for injuries missed like seven games. In seven and one seasons. was COVID. That's right. That's right. One yeah. was COVID. That's yeah. Yeah, good point by you. That's right because we had him on the podcast. That's right. That's right. So, and, and they won. So it, was, it, it all ended up coming up Chiefs. Yeah. I agree. And here's the other side of this too that I think is really important. It sometimes gets overlooked. If you don't pay that guy, what what's being said in the locker room? Right. I mean, he's been a chief his whole career. He's never, ever been a problem off the field, ever. You've never had to discipline him. He's never been an on-field issue. He's never been a guy who's like Mercurial and you had to deal with that. Like Kelsey early in his career on the field was a loose cannon. I mean, it, it felt like he had a personal foul every week. Hilarious though. Oh, I, listen, one of the greatest penalties of all times when he threw the flag on the official. Yeah. Okay, but like Kelsey was, I remember in that playoff game against Pittsburgh in 2016, where he took one of the dumbest penalties I've ever seen. I mean, he just, he just hauled off on some guy, yeah. took a 1500 penalty. Jones has never been that guy. He's never had an off-field concern. 
He's a leader. He's a winner. Chris Jones probably walking into the Hall of Fame one day. Like yeah. he's that level of a player. He just turned 29 a couple weeks ago. If you don't pay that guy, you're looking around the room going, well, they're not going to pay him. I mean, Jesus, they're going to pay me. I mean, they're not paying him. Like I'm I'm going to get paid. Good luck. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a message that gets sent. And look, nothing gets a guy like a Juwan Taylor who got four and eighty. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but like he's never played it down for the Chiefs. They paid him twenty million dollars. If you if you pay him and not Chris Jones, that's going to ruffle some feathers in that building. I mean, that's going to that's going to piss some people off in the locker room. Like, okay, you paid a guy who's never done anything here. Look, good player, never been an All Pro, never been a Pro Bowler. You're not going to pay Chris Jones. Who, let's also call this what it is. Who basically won the AFC Championship game by himself yeah. at times. I mean, yeah. I would argue that's the greatest game he's ever played in his life. That was unbelievable. Yeah. The Bengals couldn't block it. He had what do you have? Two sacks. He must have hit Burrow a half dozen times. Yeah, he was all over him. He you got to pay that guy. I totally, and I think they will pay. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on here. We're gonna play a, a little game called Take It or Leave It, where I'm gonna give you Verderam some predictions for the year. Not necessarily my predictions, although I came up with them. Okay. And I and 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 you're gonna take them or leave it, and and you can tell me why. But before we do something kind of fun, addicts. Um, it, we want you to get swagged out. We got you covered. The Arrowhead Attic merch store is now live, and you can visit it right now by clicking the link in the description below. We've got everything, shirts, hoodies, beach towels, pint glass, and uh, that's not all. We got a, a special deal this uh, this week for listeners. To get 15% off, just use the code AA Summer. That's AA Summer today, um, and make sure you use it fast because it expires on Sunday. So it's just for this week's listeners, so you can rep the podcast and save a bit of money. We truly appreciate it. And we have a brand new product. And this is going to be a throwback for all of you who have been with us for a while. It is the, I, I can't believe I'm introducing a shirt with myself on it, but we're doing it. It's a, the Patrick Allen Beer Chug shirt. If you remember a couple of years ago on this podcast, I lost a bet. I bet the Chiefs were going to lose to the Packers before I knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to play. And uh, uh, I made that bet with Sterling. And, and if I lost, I had to stone cold a couple of beers live on the podcast. Bertram had a front row seat. There it is. It's beautiful. I think it's a great shirt for the 4th of July, for opening day of the, uh, you know, the NFL season. If you're interested, snatch it up. Um, there it is. You can scan the QR code. Iconic Patrick Allen moment. That's the only one in existence in recorded history that we would call iconic. I uh, asked my wife if she wanted one. She said, absolutely not. So uh, check that out in the store. Scan that QR code. It's uh, it's up for grabs. We're going to do more of these, I think. More of these uh, podcast-related shirts. We got some really great designs coming out. So snatch that one up if you can. You, by the way, you, you, you send me a picture of you wearing that shirt. You'll get a follow from me on Twitter. If I don't already follow you, guaranteed, I'll be your biggest fan. Um, oh, actually... Do, or we're going to play the clip. Do we have the clip t- uh, queued up, Richard? All right. So as you know, I bet against my own team. I had this coming. Stupid I fraud. Chiefs, I said the Chiefs were going to lose to the Packers. I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to play. Here we go. Stone Colding. I've never done this before. It's going to be great. You can't see it if you listen to the audio version. Woo! The, uh, he did Go it. Chiefs! It was, it was yeah. hilarious. Oh, oh. I love it. Um, there it is. If you if you weren't there for it live, there it is. Verum, does that bring back some, some some memories for you? It does. It does. Uh, that was uh, that was entertaining, to say the least. So, <laughs> the beer chug tea is uh, is hilarious. Yeah. For those of you who are listening on audio who aren't watching the YouTube stream, it is a uh, kind of a white shirt. It's got that, but it's made to look like a beer. So it's got the beer. the The bottom of the shirt is beer, and I'm and the top is suds. And I'm kind of. It's a ridiculous shirt. It is. I am superimposed on top. So yeah, there you go. It's it's beer all the way around. Uh, pretty incredible shirt. Sorry for ruining it by putting my mug on it. A lot of that beer went. I missed. Yeah, I know. What are you going to do? Uh, all right. There, you know, by the way, it was stuck. Some of it was on my ceiling up until just a few months ago still. <laughs> it was nice. all over the place. Good. Um, all right. Let's play a little take it or leave it. Get some, uh, hear what Matt Verderam thinks of some of these projections. we got a few here. So take it or leave it. Let's kick it off. And let us know if you're, if you're watching on YouTube live, let us know in the chat whether you take it or leave it as well. Take it or leave it, Verderam. Isaiah Pacheco will rush for over 1,000 yards. So last year he came pretty close. 
he uh what was he up over 800 i think it was so he was he was in the ballpark uh despite not playing a ton early on the hard thing with the chiefs is like is he gonna see enough time you know i mean yeah 830 he rushed for 830 4.9 yards in attempt which is great i'm gonna say over i i i think it's gonna be close because they're not they don't play like the titans <laughs> like they're not they're, they're just not going to do that. I think he rushes for just over. I, I think it's like 1050, 1075, something like that. But I think he'll get enough carries. Um, my biggest concern is just his health, staying healthy. But if he's healthy, I think he'll do it. Yeah, a lot of the people uh, listening right now agree with you. Um, lots of take-its from Eli, our guy, Stacy. He's taking it. Angry, drunken German says, easy W. By the way, this was pointed out by our guy Joe Summers here at, at Fansided, who's going to be doing a Friday betting show for us coming up here pretty soon. Um, he caught this over at FanDuel. I can't remember what the odds were there, but I, I use DraftKings a lot. Over on DraftKings, at least as of a couple of days ago, it was minus 110 for Pacheco, and it was 775 yards, I think, something like that. So, I mean, that I'd take that one um, if you're interested. So... Next up, Verim, take it or leave it. Patrick Mahomes will once again throw for over 5,000 yards. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it because that is just so hard to do. And there's, I'll tell you the biggest reason I'm going to leave it. Actually, you know what? I'll save it because that kind of would spoil other things. I'm going to leave it. I think he'll throw for like 47, 4,800. I mean, it's just, it's hard to do. If you miss a game, you know, that that throws it out of whack. If they're winning big late in games, you're going to run the ball more. I mean, look, I'm not saying he's not cave. Obviously, he's cave. He threw 5,500 yards. I wouldn't be shocked if he did it. But I, I just think with them, I, you know, I, I went over on Pacheco partially because I think they're going to have a little more balance. Um, partially because of maybe the scores of some of these games. So I'll take the under. But I, I think he's probably around like 47, 4,800. All right. Some people in the chat they seem to agree with you too. We got some takeets though. It's it's kind of split. A lot of people recognizing how difficult it is to throw for 500 yeah. for 5,000 yards. Um, okay. Next up for take it or leave it. Charles O'Menehue will have more sacks than any defender, not named Chris Jones. I'll leave it. I think Carl Loftus is going to push 10 sacks. I, I do. I mean, my God, at the end of the year, he basically had a sack every game. It was incredible. So I think Carl Loftus is somewhere around eight to 10 sacks. And Amenahu, I, I think is a very nice pickup for the Chiefs. I don't think he's going to have more than that. I think he's probably, I think be fair i mean his career he has 11 and a half sacks four and a half sacks last year so carl Loftus has had you know a, a bigger year as a rookie than a man who's ever had i, I think carl Loftus will have more than him and i i think he might even have significantly more than him. it could be a volume thing carl Loftus gets more but i'm gonna take it actually um sure. i hope carl Loftus shows out this year i believe in his talent but i think i think this Omenahue is a really underrated pickup for the Chiefs, and I think they're going to kick him inside a lot, and he's going to benefit from playing next to Chris Jones, and I think they could form uh, a, a pretty formative duo inside, and maybe he gets double digits. We'll see. It's going to be – hopefully hopefully that works out. They have a lot of guys up front. That is going to be the one thing, other than Jones, you know, based on the field every second of the day. Like, you have Dana. You have Anadike Uzama. You have Karloftis. You have Amena. I think there's a lot of guys – those guys are all going to see real snaps. So, yeah. plus you have the Nadis of the world and, the, you know, the Whartons. I mean, they just have a lot of guys. Yeah. All right. Next up, Verim, take it or leave it. Travis Kelsey will have under 1,000 yards receiving for the first time since 2015. I'll leave it. I, that guy, until he does it, I, just keep giving me the over. Yeah. I, I don't know that he'll have like 1,300. Put me down for like 12, 1250, something like that. I mean, he just, every year he does it. Every year he goes, because to me, the one thing that gets overlooked with him, you always have people like, when's he going to slow down? But his game is built differently. Like Antonio Gates was amazing. But Antonio Gates was a lot of, like, and not say he wasn't great at other things, but like he was an athlete. He, he was built on athleticism. Tony Gonzalez, Tony Gonzalez was amazing from the standpoint that he really was. Like he was just like Gates, you know, a basketball player, football player. I mean, very athletic. And that's what I mean when I say athlete. Like just a very freakish type of, of, of human being who could do all these different things. And both those guys, to their credits, had amazingly durable careers, long-lasting, and, and part of that was such great football IQ. But Kelsey, he's more great because of his ability to run routes and to use leverage and to understand coverages. Like, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I, yeah. And he's always been able to stay on the field outside of his rookie year. I just look at him and think he is the kind of guy I could see him playing at 36 and still being a really good player. Like maybe not 1,300 yards really good, but like over 1,000. 
because he's just so yeah he he's he's the best I've ever seen at using just subtle movements to create space. L- you know, little hip drop here, a shoulder fake there, nothing exaggerated. You know, we saw that clip. I, I think a lot of people probably saw it on Twitter earlier this offseason where he talked about he was. I think he was either doing a camp or something like that, and he's explaining to these these kids like, look, don't come flying off the ball. Like that's so many guys just come flying off the snap. Yeah, he's like. I, I just set guys up. It's almost like a little basketball move. Like I'm just trying to get a guy off balance, and, and he's he's incredible at it. So I, I think he's still going to put up big numbers. Yeah, I hope you're right. It's been an unbelievable, unheard of streak for Travis Kelsey. And funny enough, when I was doing research for this, I realized that Travis Kelsey, his streak of 1,000-yard seasons, he hasn't not had a 1,000-yard season since 2015, and that is also the last time the Denver Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs in September of 2015. So I'll ask you, take it or leave it, the Chiefs will finally lose to the Broncos. Kind of like I said about Kelsey, until it happens, uh, I'm just going to keep shoving it aside. I mean, look, at some point it's going to happen. At some point, Denver's just going to find a way to win the game. And they almost did in both those games last year, although the one game that we were were at uh, Tanner's for, I think, was kind of a case that the Chiefs basically took a nap for about half the game. But no, uh, until it happens... I'm not going I'll tell you the other thing here that is more than just till it happens, like an actual schematic point. I think Vance Joseph is a very good coach. Vance Joseph is not a good matchup from Denver's perspective as their defensive coordinator against Kansas City. If you don't believe me, go back and watch the Cardinals game against Chiefs last year when he was a defensive coordinator there, where look, he plays a ton of single high and he blitzes like crazy. And if you do that against the Chiefs, you are going to get roasted into oblivion. And Denver, they're gonna do it. That's how they're gonna play him next year because that's how Joseph plays, they are going to go single high and they're going to blitz Mahomes like crazy and the Chiefs are just going to throw and throw and throw. And like, Satan's amazing. But other than that, who the hell scares you at corner for Denver? I mean, I, I, you know, their linebackers are fine, but they're not overwhelming. And really kind of quietly, you know, Denver's had a good pass rush for a long time with Miller and Chubb. Who are those guys this year? Zach Allen and Randy Gregory? All right. I, mean, I, I don't know. Like, I just I think the Vance Joseph thing is a big part of this. And I just I don't know where you stand on this. I, I kind of just think Russell Wilson's cooked at this point. So yeah. I, I think he'll bounce back some, but not I don't think he's ever gonna be a top ten quarterback. Yeah. Stacy says, uh, I'll take that. Uh Ron uh Ronald says, let's ride, leave it. Love that one. Yeah, it's uh I I, th- I feel like it just has to happen this year, I, but but maybe I'm just I'm having the gambler's fallacy, right? Like that, just like oh well, it's been so long that it's bound to happen, but that's just, that's not how it works. It's Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, part of it's like because what is the streak? Then? What is it? Fifteen games, sixteen games? Yeah, well, since uh, two games a year since 2016. 15. They're going fifteen in a row. One, right? yeah, one in one in 2015. Yeah, I mean, you do sit there and go, yeah, it's got to happen at some point. But also, like every game's unto itself. And the reason the streak has gone on and on and on and on and on is that Denver just hasn't been any good. Denver hasn't been good since then. And the Chiefs are just, I mean, Denver hasn't made the playoffs in that entire streak, except for the first win when they won the Super Bowl that year. They've sucked. They haven't haven't made the playoffs once. And I just look at Denver and go, you're going to have to score points to beat them. I like the receivers, but none of them are guys you're like, oh my God, that guy's a top 10 receiver in the league. Like, they're fine. None of them are even top 10 receivers in the conference. Javante Williams is an excellent running back, but I mean, if if Russell Wilson's not markedly better, I think I think they're going to take a big step back defensively this year. Evero was their defense coordinator last year, and I was with Carolina in the same position. Evero was an awesome coordinator. Like if I I thought Denver, frankly, should have paid just about any price to keep him in that building. They let him walk. And again, I don't dislike Joseph, but when you play the way Joseph does, but you you better have a lot going for you talent wise on the defensive side of the ball because if you don't, I mean, last year when the Cardinals played the Chiefs, they put Isaiah Simmons one on one against Travis Kelsey, and it was a murder scene the entire night. I like Josie Jewell. If they put Josie Jewell one on one with Travis Kelsey, he's going for a buck fifty and two touchdowns. Like I, he's not stopping him. I just think it matches up really well for the Chiefs. You know, my Cleveland Cavaliers just won the Summer League Championship, and I cool. saw they actually give them rings. I have the parade. I know. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It, yeah, it's completely it's completely absurd. Should should the Broncos players get rings if they finally beat Patrick Mahomes? The Broncos player. I mean, there should first of all, if the Chiefs lose to Denver, there ought to be a moment of silence over it. Second of all, yeah, I mean, at that point, my God, they they should really have like a ring ceremony. The funny thing is when they finally do it, whenever it is, whenever this year, next year, 20 years from now, whenever it is, the Broncos will celebrate like it is the biggest thing that's ever happened. 
<laughs> and yeah. the Chiefs are just going to be like, that's fine. I, I, I mean, I, yeah. I, it's one of those things like almost like Big Brother, Little Brother. If the little brother beats the big brother in a game of horse, like it's the best thing that's ever happened in the world. And the older brother's like, that's nice. I have a date. Like I, yeah. like I need to. I think think that's kind of what it'll end up being like whenever it happens. All right. Um, Next up here, take it or leave it. One of the Chiefs' starting tackles will get benched for poor play. Offensive tackles. All right, so let's kind of work through it. I do not think that's happening with Juwan Taylor. If they bench him making twenty million a year, that is a rough look. And frankly, he's never shown any reason. Like he's a pretty good player. I don't think that's gonna happen. So really it's about Donovan Smith. So that's a two-pronged thought. One is like, does Donovan Smith bounce back? Because he was a very good player for a long time. Last year he struggled. Had injuries, but struggled. If you bench him, who the hell's playing for him? I mean, is it going to be third round rookie Wanya Morris at Oklahoma? Is it going to be Niang? I'm going to I'm going to leave it. I I just don't think. Now we haven't seen camp. I mean, if Morris comes out and it looks like Willie Rofe, then okay, maybe. But I, assuming he looks like most rookies do, you know, I, I'm going to leave it. I I know for a fact, like the Chiefs. We're happy when they signed Donovan Smith. They really believe in him. I know they they firmly believe that last year was an aberration because of some injuries, including some that weren't really all that reported. They are at him. Like they expect him to be very good. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, but they believe in him. That wasn't just like, hey, it's a, it's a flyer. I think if the draft had played out differently, maybe they don't sign him. Like if they had had a guy there sitting there, you know, if whatever, let's just say if Darnell Wright had gotten to them, yeah, sure, they take him. Didn't happen that way. Yeah, I don't know. I do not think they're going to. Bench one of the tackles. We're getting a lot of leave it's in the chat. Angry drunken German says, Nope, our left tackle will get injured. Um, oh. the old the old quotes. All right. This one goes to the receivers. Take it or leave it. The uh the receiver, so not Travis Kelsey, the receiver right. with the most receiving yards this season will be MVS. Take it or leave it. It's a really good one. I'm gonna take it. Until Kadarius Tony does it. I'm a yeah, obviously, as I've said a few times here, I gotta see it, man. Like I, I get all the Tony hype. People are going crazy. Like, Carrie's Tony, if he was on any other team, I'd be like, do, do it. Prove it. Do yeah. something. I mean, I, you've been in the league two years, and you've had some moments, but, like, you haven't done anything consistently. Also, not not totally in love with the stuff going on around Tony the last, what, it was a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Like, could have done without that, man. Like, really could have done without that. I MBS, say whatever you want about him. You know what you're getting out of the guy. He He's a big play threat. He's going to have some games where he's quiet. I got t- like I I could see that being something where all of a sudden Tony's three games into the year and you're like, yeah, that guy's going to lead the team. But MVS is the most proven receiver on the team. I don't think it's going to be Watson or Richie James. I do not think it's going to be Sky Moore. Although I do think Moore will be much improved. I could see it being MVS. And until t- I think Tony has the highest upside easily, but MVS is probably the safest bet. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm going to take that one as well. And I think that. You know, last year they talked a little bit about MVS and he gave some interviews and he said, you know, I'm not just a deep threat guy. I, I can do some things underneath if he's he's big. And so if the yeah. Chiefs want to try to utilize him in some of those Juju Smith-Schuster roles, now that they have Tony, who could also stretch the field with his speed, I could see them flip-flopping them a little bit in certain situations, giving opening up some shorter passes for MVS this year and a, a few more target opportunities. We will see. It's going to be fascinating to see how this group plays out. I got to tell you, I think if there's going to be a guy who replaces Juju, I think it's going to be Sky Moore because Sky Moore can run routes really well. That's one thing with MVS. He, I mean, all due respect to the man, he's not he's not a great route runner. He he can run a post route, he can run a go, he can run all that. But like MVS isn't going to sit there and run a ten yard in a whole bunch of times and a bunch of slant routes. I mean, he's got the body shape to do it, but it's just not his game. Moore can do that stuff. Like that, he's the guy I could see them being like third and six slant route going to Sky Moore. You know, does he become that? I don't know. And then, of course, you have the X factor that is Rasheed Rice, who, to my understanding, today had a very good practice, did not throw up, so that's good. You know, but yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be a lot of receiver by committee and then Kelsey. And it yeah. worked okay last year. It sure did. Um, okay, uh, here's a fun one. The Take it or leave it. The Chiefs and Eagles meet on November 20th. They will both be undefeated. Oh, I'm believing it. <laughs> I'm believing it. I don't think they'll both be undefeated. I don't think either one of them will be undefeated. Uh, it's it just, it's so hard. Like, I, I, I know the Eagles went deep in the year last year undefeated and all that and it's just so difficult to do it. Now the Chiefs' schedule is such that, like, it's not totally crazy. I don't have it in front of me, but I know that you know the hardest games they have, I believe, Jacksonville Week Two, the Jets Week Four, and the Dolphins in in Germany, uh, which is their last game before they play the Eagles, and they have bye week. 
So they could. I mean, they, they listen, you would expect that they're going to beat the Lions. You would expect they'll beat the Bears, the Vikings. I, you know, if memory serves right, they played Denver on a Thursday night before that game. They play the Chargers. They might play the Chargers. Play them no, once. Play them once. I think the Chiefs will have probably, you know, what because what game is that for the Chiefs? What week is it? It's uh, right after. They're both coming off the bye. Uh, it's uh, week 11. Okay, so the Chiefs so will have played nine games. Going nine, yeah, they both played nine. I think the Chiefs will be something like seven and two or eight and one. You know, somewhere in that range. I I, I have a hard time thinking they're both going to be undefeated. I will say, looking at Philly's schedule, if I had to pick one, they've got at New England, Minnesota, at Tampa, home against Washington, at LA Rams, at Jets, home against the Dolphins, at Washington again, and then home versus Dallas. I, I mean, there's some tough games in there. Miami, yeah. if, if two is playing well, Dallas will be a challenge. We don't know about the Jets, but those other games... They should win those. Tell you what, that New England game is a weird game week one because Belichick's got the whole damn year to prepare for him. Yeah. That is not the week I'd want to see New England. I'm not saying they'll beat him, but like that is not the game. If I'm like, it's, it's frankly why I, I, I like the Lions a lot this year, but my God, could the NFL screw them anymore? Like they got to go to Kansas City week one. The Chiefs are going to prepare from the entire offseason and have like 30 plays in their book that n- have never been shown. And the Lions have to walk in there. When the Chiefs are, you know, unveiling a banner on national television. Oh, by the way, Andy's a billion and O in these in these types of games. Have fun. I can see that being a game where the Chiefs just kill the Lions and everybody's like, oh, they're trash, they're trash. And then the Lions go like eleven and six. But I, I mean it's just um yeah, I don't know. Do, are you buying it? Do you think they'll one of them be undefeated? I've I've been on the record as saying that I think the Chiefs are gonna get off to a, a hot start. I have them losing, finally losing to Denver, that being the weird game they have that like they're clearly better, but Sean Payton has some stuff and it kind of knocks them off. Okay. But when I was looking at the Eagles schedule while I was doing my show prep, I was like, Man, it's not it's vi- like it's hard to go nine and right. in the NFL period. Two teams go nine and but when I looked at the Eagles schedule, I was like, all right, it it, it, it might be slim, but it's definitely not impossible. And uh, boy, wouldn't that be incredible? I would. Super Bowl rematch, week 10, two 9-0 teams undefeated on Monday Night Football. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. <laughs> I would be campaigning SI heavily to uh, send me to the game to cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'd want to be at that one for sure. Um, okay. Few more here. Uh, take it or leave it. Trent McDuffie will have four plus interceptions. Uh, I'm leaving it. I think he's going to have a great year, but the man had zero last season. It's just hard these days. It's much harder than it was when we were younger, where you know teams didn't throw the ball. I don't know, you know, two yards every time they threw it. You know, now everybody checks down a million times, and it's just so safe with it. It's hard. It's hard. To, that's why Marcus Peters to me is so impressive. Like the amount of picks that that guy has gotten over the years. Yeah. That's crazy in today's game. You don't have many guys getting, you know, or even say whatever you want, like Trayvon Diggs. That's the year he had a couple of years ago. I mean, the guys just don't do that anymore. So I'll go on. I think they'll have like two or three. I, I think they'll. I think they'll play very, very well. And that's the other part of this. I just think teams are going to try to stay away from them. So yeah. um, I'll go under. I, I think my my prediction is uh, is Williams or Watson. I can see Watson. He's pretty damn good with his hands. He had a lot of picks last year. Uh, for a rookie, I could see him leading the team. Yeah, uh, our guy Stacy uh, from Arrowhead Addict, one of the writers over there, thinks uh, if we had said Watson, he would have taken it. Um, okay, here's a fun one. Rasheed Rice will have over 300 yards receiving. Take it or leave it. <sighs> they do not utilize rookie receivers very much. Even Tyree Kill's rookie year, it took them to like middle of the year to finally throw the ball to him. He had like 600, I think, something like that. Yeah, like they barely used it. Like they were using him. He was just so unbelievable. Every time he touched the ball, they're like, all right, we finally have to throw it to him. Ah, God, I don't know, man. I, I'll say over for one reason. I think that there's just a lot of room for Rice to see the field this year. So I'll say over, but of all the ones we've talked about, that's probably the one I'm least confident on. Because 300 yards is not that much. I mean, when you really think about it, it's like, what, 20 yards a game? You know, like, I'll say over by a smidge, like 320, 325, something like that. All right. Um, let's go to the next one here. Uh, okay. Uh, take it or leave it. The Chiefs will beat the Bengals in the regular season. Play them at home, December 31st. I'll take it. I, I think, you know, and that's probably bad news for Chiefs fans because I don't think I've ever predicted one of those games correctly because last year I famously on this podcast, I thought they'd lose the AFC title game and got absolutely just killed. <laughs> For a week straight. I think the fact they finally beat them just matters. The first three games, it wasn't like they really 
got outplayed. They were just crap shows a lot of times with the Chiefs. Stupid mistakes, you know, just big errors, whether it was a coach, whether it was, you know, whether it was the you know, the team not executing. I just think now that they've won the game, and I, I got to tell you, I think that game is going to be for the number one seed in the AFC. And the fact that it's an Arrowhead, if that game was in Cincinnati, I'd pick the Bengals in full disclosure. But the game's at Arrowhead Stadium. Cold weather to me doesn't matter. They're both cold weather teams. They can both play in that. But I I think that it does matter for the Chiefs that they finally got over that mental hurdle. The Bengals had that on them for a while. Now they don't. Yeah, I think whoever's home in that matchup is is the rightful pick. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm going to take it as well. And I would love to see the Chiefs since it's going to be New Year's Eve, you know, bust out some party hats afterwards if they win on the field. Always fun to celebrate at the Bengals' expense. Okay, so just kind of the flip of that here. the Take it or leave it. The Chiefs will beat the Bills in the regular season. That game's early December. And, you know, this is a Chiefs podcast. We're going to get too into the Bills. Um, but I got to tell you, the Bills are the team to me this year. I just I do not know what the hell to expect. There's a part of me that thinks, I mean, look, the Bills are certainly really talented. They can win the Super Bowl. But I, I don't know. It's a weird vibe with them right now. All the stuff with Diggs, they had that blowout loss in the playoffs last year. And they're getting older. Like that team, and I wrote that for SI, my God, Bills fans were not happy about that. I'm like, look, you're old and expensive. You are. Like, deal with it. I mean, there are a lot of guys in that team who are 29, 30, 31 years old and older who are making major money. And not just this year, like into the future. I think the Chiefs are going to beat them. And, and I the last two years, I have picked the Bills to go into Arrowhead and beat them. That, it's the complete opposite with the Chiefs and the Bengals. I've actually been right on the money with the Chiefs and the Bills. I'm pretty sure every time they've played, I just have a weird feeling about Buffalo this year. I think they're the kind of team, man, that like some weeks you'll watch them and you're like, oh my God, that team could absolutely beat anybody any given week. And there's going to be other times you'll watch them and you're going to say that exact same sentence in a different way. Like, oh, like what the hell? Like, what happened? Like, so, how do you lose so that? The Chargers, team? basically. Yeah, like we were just like, how, like what happened? Like, how the hell did you lose that game? Yeah, I think the Chiefs will win the game. I think if the, I think the Chiefs, in some ways, man, their hardest games are like you know that that Philly game because of the emotion in it, that Miami game because it's in Germany. Like, it's just a weird and like you have the bye week right after it. So are you are you totally there mentally? Like, I, you know, that's a game you look at, and then almost for the Chiefs, like the Colts game last year, like those weird like at New England when it's like, eh. And they, like, they, you know, they're not paying half. Although it helps them, it's a Monday night game in December. But games like that, almost with them, or like I'll give you a perfect example: Minnesota. Some yeah. game where they ought to score forty-five points, but like Minnesota comes out like it's a Super Bowl, and the Chiefs are like, ah, week five, whatever, and I like, just you know screw around for four quarters. Those games scare me more at the Chiefs than the real big ones. Those are the ones they usually show up for. Yeah, Kirk Patterson in the chat says Bills lose. Madden curse is real. Um, hey, whatever whatever gets the job done. Um, okay, next up is uh, take it or leave it. Justin Ross will make the final roster. Leave it. Nothing against them, but I, I just – they always carry six receivers. And I would ask anybody – okay, so tell me who the guy is that's not making the team. So you got you got Rice and Moore. You've got Kadarius Tony and MVS. You've got Watson and Richie James. Who's not making the team? I could see – I could see – Watson or, or Richie James not making it. Richie James would probably be the most likely one not to make it. He hasn't been with the team. He had over like 550 yards last year. Yeah, but you and I could have got a few hundred yards receiving on that team. Everybody was hurt. Oh, but my God, but you're getting that from Daniel Jones? Yeah. I mean, that, that's fair, roughly fair. equivalent to 1,800 yards with Mahomes. Yeah. I, I just, I think of all the guys, Watson would be the one. But you know, you also got to keep in mind, like those back end receivers on the depth chart, they got to play teams. Right. So, like, is Justin Ross going to go out there? That she's going to put him out there and have him play in special teams? Maybe, but, like, it's a huge injury risk. That's the concern for me. I just – I hope he does because it would be a great story. And, by the way, maybe the Chiefs keep seven guys this year without a fullback. Maybe they decide to keep an extra receiver. But I just – to me, it's a long shot. It's not impossible, but it's a long shot. If he's going to make it, this is the season to do it. I mean, yeah, if he doesn't make got, it, this Yeah, this is, this is the season to do it. Somebody might pick him up. Um, okay, take it or leave it. The Chiefs will win the number one seed again. All right. So last year, we all went into the season thinking that this was going to be a really tough spot for the Chiefs because we thought they might be not rebuilding, but kind of rejiggering the roster. And the division was supposed to be great. Well, it turns out the Broncos remain the Broncos and the Raiders remain the Raiders. And you know the Chargers, to a large degree, remain the Chargers. We talked about at the beginning of the show, I don't think the division's good. I, I'll tell you right now, I'll go on. I think the Raiders are going to be a bottom five team in the league. I think the Raiders stink. And I can see that Great. thing getting bad. Like, yeah. 
You remember when Josh McDaniels was in Denver and that thing started to go downhill? Yep. That was not pretty. I could absolutely see Devontae Adams six weeks into the year being like, get me out of here. I am done with this. I Trade me. I mean, I can see Chandler Jones, young, you know, they got Tyree Wilson behind them, like gone, see, you know, just dump them on another team. I So I say all that to say that I, I don't think the Chiefs schedule is that hard this year. Like, I, I really don't. Like the AFC East is not going to be easy. They should beat the Pats, you know, the, the Bills are get at home. And even if they go like three and one the division, they play the NFC North. That division's not good. The Chiefs should win those games. And they should win their own division, at least five of them. You know, it's just weird to say, like, you know, division games are hard, but the Chiefs typically roll the teams in division. The AFC East, which I just mentioned, I think is difficult. Like, that's going to be hard to go in. And then, by the way, that, that division also plays the NFC East. That is going to be, that is going to be a gauntlet for those teams. I don't think anybody in that division is getting the number one seed. The AFC North, I don't think anybody's going to get the number one seed either. All those teams are at least capable. All of them. Jacksonville might be the biggest threat in a sense. They play the AFC South and the NFC South. I mean, that's 10 of their games. Yeah. They could go 9-1 and one in those games. But the, so the week two games actually kind of important for the Chiefs. Like You kind of want to win that game to have the breaker. I'm going to be consistent, though. I've been saying, like, if you've been doing something, I'm going to keep like keeping on with it. I think they're going to probably be the number one seed. They're the best team. And I don't yeah. think their schedule is that prohibitive. I think they're probably like a 13 to 14 win team. And I would never pick a team to go 16 and one. It's just so hard. They have the capability to do it. Like that team, I don't know how you guys, you know, you feel and how the people in the chat feel. I think this is the best team they've ever had around the homes. They are loaded defense. They've got guys coming out of their ears on defense. They've got a great line. They have Mahomes at the, at the peak of his powers. I would argue the best coaching staff in football. I mean, they are just that team. If the receivers do anything between the, the tight end and the running backs, if the receivers can just be, even be average, 20th in the league, whatever. If the Chiefs are focused and healthy, I, I think there's a real chance they just really kind of roll through the regular season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it all comes down to the tackle play. Do they get good tackle play? Does it disrupt Mahomes? If that if they get what they want out of the tackles, they should roll in a lot of these games. Last one here, take it or leave it. Andy Reid will make over two cheeseburger jokes during the course of the year. I'll take that. Yeah. And Andy likes a good cheeseburger joke. Andy yeah. also likes a good cheeseburger. So uh, yeah, I think Andy's, Andy's got a lot of those jokes on him. Love it. Um, we got one more quick segment. Patty's Power Rankings coming at you just before we do. Uh, if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic family. Members get access to special emojis, loyalty badges during our live YouTube streams. They also get an invite to a private Discord where they can hang out with the AA hosts and talk Chiefs football, movies, beer, so much more. Members get invites to private events with the hosts like virtual happy hours. So check out the link in the description uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your support. We'd love to, to become friends with you. Talk some ball. We're getting ready to start up our fantasy football leagues, all that great stuff. So check it out. Okay, Patty's Power Rankings. If you if you watch this show, listen to this show for a while, you know this used to be a serial podcast, and I, I thought it would be fun, Vertoram, since you were going to be on today, to, to get back to our roots a little bit and do not a ranking of our favorite cereals, but a ranking of your top three most hated cereals. Garbage that you'd never pour another bowl of. I'll, I'll give you a second to think because I sprung this on you. I'll kick us off. I'm going number three most reviled grape nuts. Oh. It's like a bowl of gravel. Why, it, why would you ever want to do it? So... That's that's number three for me. Number two, and, and this one's going to be kind of controversial because I know there's some stands out there. Raisin Bran. No, I think it's gross. It gets soggy. I'm not a big raisin guy. I don't want it. They, they float to the bottom. The cereal, it's weird. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like Raisin Bran. And number one most reviled cereal for me, and this is because my parents were worried I got too hyper and they want me to have too much sugar, and it was always on sale and they'd sell giant boxes of it. Flavorless Corn Flakes. Hate cornflakes. This really it's directed at my father because he's the one who'd go to the he'd go to the grocery store and he'd bring he'd buy the big family size box of cornflakes. I hated them. I dump a bunch of sugar on there trying to make them like frosted flakes. So those are my three. Uh, but my my hatred for cornflakes runs deep. So I will try to stay away from the three that you use. Although I'm with you on all three. I I agree with you on all three. Raisin brand, by the way, should be shot into the sun. So I will start off by saying I'm going to give you a blanket one. Any bagged knockoff cereal is bullshit. Oh, Just they're terrible. Like, they're all they all have like a weird taste to them. 
they're like, not, like I, cleaning cleaning solution. Yeah, it's like there's a something. chemical. T- it's awful. It's awful. It's like when like diet soda first started becoming really popular, and you're like, oh my god, like they just didn't know how to make it. And now yeah. now like I'm you know sitting here knocking down diet Mountain Dew like a like a clown. Yeah. Uh, but it tastes fine. It tastes like the regular one. Any bag cereal, these knockoffs, like, hey, here's fruit O's. No, no, no. Oh. garbage, trash, get out. Yeah. Number two, this is kind of a weird one, but I'm not I'm not a big fan of like the regular checks. Like, mm. go chocolate checks. Go yeah. like get, get some get some flavor in there. I, I don't understand why the hell they get soggy quick. Like, I don't know, man. Like, if you're gonna have a cereal, have a damn cereal. Have something with some taste to it. You know, I never understood why people get cereal and they're pouring sugar on it like nonstop. Then just go get a damn sugary cereal. Right. Like, right. I love the people that get it and they're like, oh no, it's healthy. Like, no, it's not after you pour it 18 tablespoons of sugar on it. Because <laughs> right. it tastes like cardboard that's been wet for a day. Yeah. So that's number two. And then number one, again, this is because there are so many other variations. I don't understand people that do this. And we actually have a box set upstairs right now because my wife did it and the divorce might be imminent. Regular Cheerios. Why? Mm. Go get Apple cinnamon Cheerios. Yeah. Go get blueberry Cheerios. Go get peanut butter and chocolate Cheerios. Yeah, like honey nut, a classic. What kind of a serial killer? Apparently, my wife, by the way, is up there right now moving around. Like, <laughs> why? Why are you getting regular Cheerios? And by the way, it's the biggest fallacy in the world. The uh, Cheerios you always hear, like, oh, they're good for you. No, they're, no, they're not. Okay, they're they're as sugary and as bad for you as cinnamon toast crunches. So you might as well just live the dream. Which, yeah. by the way, the only reason I'm not pushing the divorce papers through is you also got a family sized box of cinnamon toast crunch. And so, in which case, we're good. There but, we go. like, yeah, I just, I don't get it. And I will say, in complete seriousness, I am eating like really, really clean and I'm playing pickleball like four hours a day, all because I know I've got to be lean and mean and in good shape for when October rolls around. Because That's the right. second October rolls around, I'm a degenerate. Yep. I'm going to go to Target. I'm going to find somebody and go, hey, listen, you got the. You got some Count Chocula, like it's, like it's a drug deal. And, <laughs> yeah. right, and I'm going to walk out of like a pallet of Count Chocula yeah. and just stuff my face with it and explain, like, oh, it's all right. It's all right. I went to the gym today. Yeah. So I've got to get myself right by the time Count Chocula comes rolling around. It's Count Chocula season, baby. I mean, yeah. it's going to start appearing soon. Once you get into August, you might start finding it. I mean, that's you got to be on the lookout early. I the the connect the connect that I have found is is Meyer. If you've got a Meyer near you, you've got a Meyer two minutes away from me. Yeah, yeah. Meyer and hours. Walmart usually has them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like two months ago, I was in alleys, you know, with like there and there were guys with like trench coats on, opening them up. Like, hey, bu- you know, got a box of count chocolates half eaten, and I'm you know I'm paying fifty bucks for it. <laughs> I'll never understand why they don't keep that thing out year round. There's always this idea that like, well, you know, because it, it drives up the, the the want for it, bro. I've got a want for it in March. Yeah. It's great. It's like Cinnamon Toast Crunch only being available like a month out of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That would be a nightmare. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Meanwhile, bullshit ass Raisin Bran is out 12 months a year. Ain't no demand for Raisin Bran. Like, it it infuriates me to know it. I still have a full box of Booberry, by the way, from last from last. Booberry's kind of weak sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to eat it, but. It's it's taking me a while. All right, everybody. This was a this was a ton of fun. Um, always always good to get Verter in, in here talking talking food, talking cereal. Appreciate everybody. We've gone a little bit long, so we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Uh, hopefully, we can get Verter back here in August as the camp battles heat up. Get his report from Chiefs camp and let us know what he's seeing out there. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. For producer Richard, who said by the way that the bagged the bagged cereal knockoffs taste like medicine, that's exactly right. Absolutely terrible. Thank you uh, everybody for listening. We will see you next week with our regular schedule. But uh, you know, until then, as always, go Chiefs. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.